Thursday, September 29th here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. We are talking about our plays of the week today, and today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down film, to pull stats, searchable clips, tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. Mark? just about the best day of the week the best day of the week is always kicker friday but this is a close second yeah plays of the week it's a it's a good day i I like this one we still need though we are missing a sponsor we still need a defensive sponsor so if you or anyone you know is interested in sponsoring our defensive play of the week rates are negotiable rates are flexible we're just looking for someone to sponsor a defensive play. Let us know. You can always uh, always shoot us a little tweet on at IT Pylon. You can always uh, shoot Mark and I a tweet at Mark Schofield at ITP underscore Chuck Z. Whatever you want to do. We're looking for a defensive sponsor. Mark, who do we got for the Harry Stamper all-go offensive play of the week? We're going to be talking a little Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones had a huge game for the Detroit Lions. Um, they lost to Green Bay. Um, they get down early. I mean, they were down 31-3 to with about a minute to go in the first half. But they, they crawled back, kind of made it a one-score game there late in the game. Uh, Jones, though, six receptions on eight targets for 205 yards and two touchdowns, one of which was a 73-yard touchdown pass, which we're going to talk about right here. Again, the offensive play of the week is brought to you by Stamper Oil, helping you make 800 feet. So the play we're talking about, little situation, little context, is about under a minute left. It's 0.55, 55 seconds left. It's 31-3, to Packers with the lead. And Detroit's got the ball second and eight on their own 27-yard line. And they come out, 11 personnel, one tight end, three receivers. And Jones is split wide to the right. And he's got Josh Hawkins, uh, defensive back, lined up across from him in press alignment. Uh, pre-snap, Green Bay looks to be rolling a little covered two men underneath. And what's interesting about this play, like from sort of an evaluation standpoint, is when you think sort of cover two men underneath, Jones is going to run a vertical route. You're thinking that defensive back's going to at least get a jam and then sink under that vertical route, try to take away, you know, that vertical route to the outside and that sort of soft spot in cover two, you know, deep along the outside, you know, that sort of honey hole to use the, it is a technical term, people, strangely as it sounds. So you're expecting that corner to get a good jam on him sink under that corner out and sort of narrow that throwing window. Well, Hawkins doesn't get any kind of jam. And I'll, I'll be honest, the first time I watched this play, I was like, what, what's going on? You know, you expect the guy to at least try to get a hand on him, right? He, He's distracted by something. And what's crazy is you watch, you can sort of see it on the broadcast tape better. He, leading up to the snap, Hawkins is more concerned with what's going on with the rest of the defense that he's like looking inside. He's talking to people. He's trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And when the ball is snapped, he's still in the process of like turning his field division back to Jones. So rather than like, he's not in position to even try to get a jam on him. Jones sees this instantly cuts outside to get outside leverage of the snap. And so when the ball is snapped, like I said, Hawkins is turning back to the field, turning back to his receiver. He's turning back to Jones. Jones takes an immediate outside release. Hawkins tries lunges at him, 
can't get any sort of a jam on him. By this point, Jones has basically won the rep. And it's not because he's done anything particularly well. It's not like he's used some great stutter step or some incredible swim move or something to get a good release off of him. He's just run by him because Hawkins is distracted by something that's going on to the inside of the field with his teammates. And so Jones now just accelerates vertically, has like two yards of separation on by the time the ball comes out, has to make an incredible adjustment to it. The ball is kind of thrown behind him to the outside. So he has to get a full body turn towards the sideline and pull it in. Makes an incredible catch. That turn allows Hawkins to recover, but he just gets stiff-armed. Jones throws a nice little stiff arm on him. Hawkins tries to dive to make the lunge and tackle attempt. He can't. Jones breaks it, and he's gone. 73 yards in a flash to make it you know, a 31-10 game at the half. What do you make of Jones and what he has done this year thus far? He's, at this point, through three weeks, leader in the clubhouse in terms of receiving yards. He's 408 yards, you know, 83 more than the next closest guy. Is is Jones that good, or is it simply small sample size, and we've seen a couple plays like this that have placed him so far ahead right now? Jones is good, but I think he's kind of caught some breaks, particularly in this game against Green Bay to sort of inflate these numbers. I mean, think about the play we just talked about. It's a 73-yard touchdown pass, but it's not that he you know, runs necessarily like the world's greatest route. He's going up against a cornerback that seems to be sort of distracted at the snap and basically gives him a free release. Now, Jones does make an incredible catch along the sideline and makes a move with the football in his hands as a runner, you know, shows some good skills after the catch, makes a great catch here. But he gets open more out of a mistake by the defensive back, at least not paying attention to it, than anything that he truly does to get open. He has a catch to start the second half. It's a similar thing where they're in a cover two look. He gets a free release down the sideline on his vertical route. And this time it's Demarius Randall, who we actually had a debate about this at the ITP slack, whether he was, they were playing cover two trap where Randall, the outside cornerback is just going to let him go and then focus on the number two receiver in the flat. Or if they're playing straight cover two consensus seems to be that they were playing straight cover two, but for whatever reason, Randall doesn't get a jam on him, just comes off of him quickly tries to jump that number two receiver, Eric Ebron, who's running a flat route. So he just gives Jones a free release. Stafford hits him along the sideline and makes a catch, another good catch, but again, gets a free release. His other touchdown in this game, I forget who was doing the color for it, but again, it was sort of a double move. And the color announcer for Fox was like, Randall, this time over him in man coverage, doesn't seem to be paying attention at the snap. He's not even like in a crouch or any sort of defensive back position that you would expect he's kind of like standing upright jones puts a double move on him randall falls down and then stafford just puts the ball on him and he makes the catch tumbling backwards into the end zone so on those three plays it's like yeah you know jones did some very good things but it's not like he's running an elite route or anything he got of takes advantage of two free releases for whatever reason the defensive backs weren't getting a jam on and they were just letting him go for whatever reason whether it's coverage or they were distracted and on the third one he's going up against a guy who at least according to the according to the fox color guy wasn't ready for the play and then falls down what's what stands out to you kind of as the the top one or two traits that you see from jones thus far that allow him to succeed is it athleticism is it execution what 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 makes him tick i think athleticism particularly after the catch I mean, when you talk about what it takes to be a premier athlete at the wide receiver position, you're looking to change of direction, 
quickness in a short area and body control. And, you know, go back to that play we were talking about, the 73-yard reception. The body control that he has to get his body turned to catch this ball. I mean, again, he's running up the right sideline. The throw is basically sailing out of bounds. So he has to turn his body towards the field. He turns it towards the field and rotates to his left to catch the ball before it goes out of bounds. Then he's got the presence of mind and the athletic ability to, after securing the reception, use that left hand to now put a stiff a stiff arm on Hawkins, who is falling to the ground. It's not like he's upright with him, but it's still, it's a pretty athletic move to then come back, get the stiff arm on the guy, make sure you can get away from him, and then race down the field. I mean, that was a very athletic play. And it's so athletic, in fact, that it was the Harry Stamper. It was the Harry Stamper all-go offensive play of the week brought to you, as always, by Stamper Oil. Today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, helping coaches to win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your formations and your personnel packages can be made into custom highlight reels and labeled with your own terminology, and you can exchange video with anyone on any platform, including all your own players and coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossoverwithak.com slash pylon. And you get one free breakdown when you sign up today. It's time to move into special teams, Mark. Getting ready for Kicker Friday. Getting ready for Kicker Friday. You've got our special teams play of the week. And Chuck, who's it brought to us by? This is the President Whitmore Weekly Medal of Special Teams. It is brought to you by Case Crop Dusting. If you've got crops somewhere, we'll get dust everywhere. Case Crop Dusting. We're going to uh, we're going to Washington today to uh, Ooh, I think I know where you're headed with this and I think I like it look it, we, we always do kicker Friday today is going to be punter Thursday and I want to talk to you about a lovely little punter uh, by the name of Tress way he's the punter for the Washington Redskins and Tress way decided you know what I'm no longer going to be just a punter and in the words of I believe was it Booby Miles uncle or Booby Miles grandfather in Friday Night Lights who was taking care of him? Who was it? I think grandfather, it was his, right? I think it was his uncle. In any case, in the immortal words of Booby Miles' relative, and he can pass. Because Tress Way, let me tell you, this guy throws. It's not the most beautiful pass in the world. We've seen better passes even from punters, but Tress Way, the uh, Washington's sitting there. They're on their own forty-eight yard line, so they're far enough out of their territory that they don't need to really worry about, you know, a turnover. If it happens, hey, it happens. You're giving them the ball at midfield. It's not, you know, it's not ideal, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Tressway takes the snap. He's standing, you know, still he's got his heels at uh, a little bit closer. He's only 13 yards back, so he's a little bit closer to the line than he usually is. Usually they have him planted at 14. Tressway takes the snap, okay, and he takes his time. You know, the, the typical snap to kick for an NFL punt, usually between 1.8 and 2.1 seconds. That's kind of the ballpark that you're trying to hit uh, when, when you're punting. If you can get in that range, you got no problem. You could probably even go 2.2 and you're not, not too bad. Tressway takes the snap, and he, he kind of ducks down like he's about to kick, he, like, he, like he's trying to punt. He kind of, you know, he's got his head down, takes a couple steps forward, 
and then he pops up. He, he doesn't even really look. As he's popping up, cocks his right arm back, and he just launches just a straight-up YOLO ball right down the left sideline. I mean, this thing, he knows where it's going, but I don't think he, he's not really aiming this thing at all, and he's going just down the left sideline, and the left gunner sells it pretty well. Quinton Dunbar starts on the line. He gets an outside release. He starts looking back a little bit, but then he just accelerates right past the guy who's going to be blocking him, who I believe is David Harris, and pretty much just blows right by him. So much so, in fact, so much so, in fact, uh, that he actually ends up having to go around him because Wade doesn't quite put enough air under the ball. It comes back inside a little bit. And I'll tell you this, Dunbar, for you know a guy who plays cornerback, and they always say, look, if he had hands, he'd be a wide receiver. Dunbar makes a phenomenal adjustment on this play comes back to the inside and grabs this ball almost over Harris. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive what he does here uh, to make this play. I got to give him a ton of credit as well. But Tress Way is standing on his own 37-yard line. He throws this ball to the 23. So we're talking, you know, this is, you know, 42, 43 yards. I mean, th- this is not some kind of little dink and dunk throw here. This is a big-time throw mark. This guy could be a quarterback. It's a pretty impressive throw. I want to ask you, like, I'm looking at this play right now, and what kind of I first noticed, and I hadn't really do- 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 dived, dove in, dived into this play. D- dodge, dive, dip. And dodge? Yeah. Dodge. Um, Janoris Jenkins, who's the other sort of cover man on the other side of the field, he's their, one of their starting defensive backs. He gets a jam on the other gunner, Okay. Now, Wade here at the bottom of the screen has, you know, inside leverage, but doesn't jam him. Do you think, I mean, Washington must have seen some this on tape, right? Because not only do you have a, basically a free release given to Quinton Dunbar, number one, they only have one sort of blocker on either side. It's not like some teams that roll two guys out to block the gunner. So they must have seen this before and thought they could take advantage of it, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. You can see even if you go back to the previous punt, which was a 13-22 of the third quarter, you look at that bottom uh, blocker who is on uh, Dunbar, and pretty much Dunbar gets him all turned around. The guy doesn't even get a hand on him uh, as he's trying to stop him from getting downfield. So it's probably a case where Dunbar comes back after that and you're right, they had probably scouted this out, and Dunbar probably comes back after that and says, look, they're still not getting a hand on me. If, if we get another chance, let's run this. Because, you know, I, I know from my experience, and when we did, you know, your special teams installs for a given week, you know, we'd always have different fakes depending on the exact team uh, that we were playing. And so we would change them up based on where weak spots potentially were. So I remember... My junior year when we were playing uh, University of New Hampshire, they had a guy who it was their left edge always crashed down hard just trying to come around and block the kick. So our fake when we were going, and this was on field goal, our fake on field goals was, you remember the, uh, was it Auburn who did the uh, the behind the back no look flip? Was that Auburn? No, it was last year. I think that was LSU. Was it, uh, There's a couple teams that have done it because this was back in like, oh, Four oh oh three oh four somewhere back there. I think it was Auburn who ran it first, or maybe it was Florida. Someone in the SEC. They always come up with the best fakes. But 
that was the fake that we had installed for that week. There was another week, okay, we were playing uh, University of Pennsylvania. And so we came in, and the install for that week, instead of me looping around the left because the left guy was crashing down, we noticed that Penn tended just to pinch their guys in, and they tried to come up the middle. What did we run against Penn? We ran an option to the right as our fake. So the quarterback, who was our backup quarterback, who was pretty mobile, would run the option with me as the pitch man sitting out there going to the right. So you'd have different installs depending on what you saw from an opposing special teams unit. I have no doubt that this play was installed just for this game, and they got a chance to run it, and they pulled it off. So looking at this play, what was more impressive, the throw or the catch? I think both are impressive. I'm going to say both are equally impressive because in each case, you have a player doing something completely different from what he is normally capable from doing. You've got a punter using a, a part of his body that really feels a little bit foreign to him. You know, when it's it, Hands are kind of weird for specialists, man. It's, it's not something that we use a lot. Now, punters are a little different because you know, they catch and they hold and they do this and that, but it's still weird to throw that ball. On the same level, though, you got Quentin Dunbar out there. Look, Quentin Dunbar has been told his entire life that he can't catch a ball and that he has to go play defensive back. Quentin Dunbar went out and, and honestly made a case that said, look, you know, if you're ever having trouble on offense, put me out there because I can do a pretty decent job. So, you know, for both of them, it's impressive. If I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, I'm going with Tress Way just because it's so different from what he does. Dunbar's at least running around and being active during the day. Tress Way, you know, the only time he normally throws a pass is when it's in practice, just, you know, on the sidelines. And usually it's just to get the ball back in, you know, if it went out of bounds for some reason. So I'm going to go with Tress Way. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes for me to support punters, but in this case, have to do it. It's difficult to support punters. Kickers, punters, wanna... kickers, punters. It's you know we're, we're, again we're we're stepbrothers. You know we love each other, but you know it's sometimes they just get on your nerves. It's it, punters are like those little brothers that you're just always chirping at you, always needling you. I hear you, my friend. Anything else before we uh, call it a day? No, I think that's about it. I think it's uh, just about time to uh, start warming up for Kicker Friday. To all of our, get those legs stretched. Uh, yeah, to all of our listeners, get your legs stretched out. we got a couple different ones we're going to be doing uh, this week. Make sure you get those hammies done as well as the quads, okay? Uh, but tomorrow we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about that crazy game from Buffalo, uh, that Bills-Arizona game, and just all the special teams madness that we saw there. Uh, something that just I have never seen before in my life. That's coming up tomorrow on Kicker Friday on the Quick Kicks Podcast. <laughs>